0: Everyone, this is Superman bringing you best wishes for a very merry Christmas from Lois Lane, Perry White, Jimmy Olsen and myself. You know, after so many years of half-heartedly celebrating this wonderful holiday while the world was at war, while the many men and women we knew and loved were scattered all over the globe, Christmas today is very extra special. It's special because many of our friends and relatives are back home to celebrate Christmas with us. And because once more, peace on earth, goodwill to men is more than just a beautiful phrase. On this Christmas Day, let's all determine to do everything we can to see that this remains a lasting peace on earth through the everyday practice of goodwill to men. You see, wars grow out of misunderstanding, hate, and intolerance. All things that were preached against by the Prince of Peace, whose nativity we celebrate today. Now, if we try to understand our fellow men, if we avoid hate and banish intolerance, we would do away with a cause for war, and this scourge would forever disappear from the earth. Try to remember always that, as Abraham Lincoln said, all men are created equal. Regardless of race, creed, or color, we're all humans, entitled to the same respect and privileges. Here in America, all of us, black and white, Catholic, Protestant, and Jew, are all Americans. We must live together peaceably at home if we are to live in peace with the rest of the world. Let's see that forever hereafter, there is peace on earth, goodwill to men. A Merry Christmas to you all.
1: As a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-el grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman. Welcome to our second annual Superman in the Bronze Age Christmas Spectacular. My name is Charlie Niemeyer. I am Father Christmas. No, yes. I, I'm David Weeder, J. David <laughs> Wiener. <laughs> to all of his friends. And today we're presenting a special Bronze Age Christmas adventure. Now, unlike usually is that where is that the right words? Unlike usually. Unlike, unlike what we usually unlike do. normal. There you go. Unlike normal, uh, this isn't necessarily a well, technically, it does have Superman in it, but unlike usual, or normal, whatever, um, today we are covering a, sto- a Christmas story featuring the Legion of Superheroes. First, what, I wanted to, what we wanted to do was talk about some of our favorite Christmas, possibly Superman-related, Christmas memories from our childhood. Dave, you have a big one. Why don't you go first?
2: Yes, I do. It all comes down, all the podcasting and the Superman fandom comes down to Christmas 1984. Uh, they go together just like uh, ham and beans, I guess. I've never used that allegory, so there's a like first a, for you.
1: <laughs> like a Ramalama Lama, the ding 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 dong.
2: Yep, and rum to the pump pum pump pump. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that, that was the year I got a Fisher Price book, and I wish I'd grabbed it. Sitting over my shelf, but it's called Superman from Krypton to Metropolis, which I talked about on an episode of Superman Forever Radio. Now, these—this uh, was a—it was a little hardcover book, but it came with the tape, so it had the little thing when you turned the page.
1: <laughs> You'll know it's time to turn the page.
2: Yep. Now that came with a. <laughs> what do you mean? You hear this sound? <laughs> um, but it, it came. Obviously, that was a tape. It came. My kind uh, of nice haul that year. That was the year I got Snake Mountain. But this was kind of the key. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Superpowers was out, so obviously they were publishing these books to kind of support that, and uh, it was a book that really was about Superman's origins, and I think that was the first time i learned it, really understood, okay, his planet exploded, he came to Earth, fills in a lot of gaps, and uh, at the same time I got a tape player to play that little Fisher-Prize tape player slash recorder, and that's when I started recording my own shows. (laughs) So you see, it was all meant to be.
1: Oh. Do you still have any of those? Those would be fun to put in the show.
2: No, I do not. <laughs> Nor do I have a... Oh, I do have a tape player. Never mind.
1: Let's see. And I have one of those fancy-dancy... Fancy dancy, I have a tape player that can convert it to the... Uh, plugs into the USB and you can record it on your computer.
2: Does that do mini tape?
1: Oh, no, it's just regular cassettes.
2: Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So, oh. yeah, it all comes back to that. I think I also got the Supermobile that year. Because Ooh. that was following a birthday. My birthday's in October. Christmas is obviously in December. I, the superpowers stuff had just started really rolling out, and I got my first Superman figure from that line just a couple months earlier. Cool. So that was uh, definitely a warm Christmas memory. Also, like I believe it was last year that my wife and I both got Superman snuggies, as did almost every other Superman <laughs> podcaster on the planet.
1: Yes, I have mine folded up on the side in the corner of the room here. <laughs> Hasn't been quite been cold enough for that yet, but yes, last year was the year of the super snuggies. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, my mine's not as far back as yours. Uh, I know I had some of those superpower figures, mostly Superman. Actually, it was only Superman, but I don't remember when I got those. My my best Superman memory, though, for Christmas, is kind of sad, but it was in high school, and. Basically, what had happened was I wasn't doing too well in high school, as far as grades and things. So, you know, since I was a kid, my parents still had authority over me. Uh, I was not allowed to read comics during the school year. <gasps> yeah, I know. Um, now, this was before I had, you know, comic book store subscription stuff. So it's not like they were coming in all the time. But I, by that time, I did have quite a few. And for Christmas that year. I had, uh, I was still on the quote-unquote probation. So for Christmas that year, I don't remember, I think it was my parents got me the first three volumes, no, the first two volumes of the Superman um, archives. archives Thank you. Yeah. Yes, the first two Superman archives. And the thing was that I got it and I could I opened it out of the package but I wasn't supposed to be allowed to read it and I was like oh, this sucks because I hadn't read by that point excuse me it had been probably over 10 years since I'd read an, like a golden age Superman story so I was really excited to try to read this but my mom said I couldn't but thanks to a little Christmas miracle called my, grandp- my grandmother and my aunt they talked her into allowing me to read the book that one day and somehow, I was able to get through it that one day. And it was a good book. I enjoyed it immensely. And that's why it's not really a happy memory, but it's it's a Superman one for me.
2: You got to read it. I mean, you got to... Yeah. It's not an unhappy memory completely. No.
1: Technically, I read four Golden Age Superman comics in one day. And still enjoyed Christmas, because the, even with that, we still had the morning opening of presents, and then after a little bit... We, went, we would all go over to my grandparents and then we'd have another Christmas there so I was still able to find time to read that and not get in trouble for just sitting there and reading so that was cool good times yeah okay um <coughs> we're all getting Did a little misty eyed I know I'm <laughs> hey, so as I mentioned our we're going to forego the promos and things this time folks because we're on a special and we don't have to um First up, we're going to do a Legion of Superheroes story, like I mentioned, that has you've probably seen in several different places, as Dave
2: will tell you, and in fact, I'm going to let Dave take this one away. Yep. Uh, this actually appears in DC special series number 21. It's considered, what is the, I don't have the cover in front of me. DC Super Special 21 Superstar Holiday Special. Thank you. That was the part I didn't have. Ah. And uh, this was actually released in spring 1980 as yes. the official cover date. It came out in December, December 3rd, 1979. It, for a $1, dollar, you got 64 whopping pages. It felt dense, it really did. Like, imagine what you can get for a dollar now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like those free comic book day books. Yes. But maybe with an extra page.
2: The whole thing was edited by Len Wein, and the cover, which is a little bit odd, but spectacular, was done by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Yay. Now, this featured actually four almost regular-length stories, uh, including Jonah Hex with the fawn and the star, Batman Wanted, Santa Claus Dead or Alive, done by Mr. Frank Miller before he went crazy, Sergeant Rock in The Longest Night, and this little ditty, which has the Legion of Superheroes in Starlight, Star Bright, Farthest Star I See Tonight, written by the fantastic Paul Levitz, Levitz, penciled by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, inked by Dick Giordano, which is kind of a dream team right there, Uh, lettered by Ben Oda with colorist Adrian Roy. And it's Christmas Eve in the year 2979. Superboy arrives in Metropolis to visit the most extraordinary band of heroic youths in the galaxy, the Legion of Superheroes.
1: Da-da-da. Da-da-da.
2: Now, the Legion headquarters is under repair, and uh, I'm not going to get into... He, Legion is a sticky, sticky situation. It's a slippery slope if you try to start getting into it too far. So I'm going to leave it that it's in, in, under repair, and Mon-El is the first to greet the Boy of Steel, telling him he just couldn't stay away, kind of giving Superboy a hard time. Now, for those of you that don't know Monel, um, he's basically Superman from a very similar planet called Daxum. The only real difference is that his weakness is lead and not kryptonite. Which is kind of a funny story because Superboy really kind of really messed him up without meaning to. He was trying to test him because he'd lost his memory and put out a lead box with the kryptonite in it. The guy starts weakening and they realize, oh crap, it's not the kryptonite, <laughs> it's the lead box. <laughs> So anyway, he had to go in the Phantom Zone, and the Legion has, of course, found him in the, in the far-flung future. Now, the next person to greet him is Phantom Girl, who can turn intangible, pretty much her whole stock and trade. And she ambushes him with a kiss under the mistletoe, and then leads Superboy to the monitor room, where Saturn Girl, who is a very hardcore psychic, has volunteered for an extra monitor duty. And Saturn Girl explains that she is married to Lightning Lad. I think his name pretty much explains itself. And when you're married to a... Yeah,
1: just a little bit.
2: (laughs) Actually, uh...
1: Obviously, he shoots confetti out of his fingers.
2: Yeah. Well, Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad were both two of the original... The original three um, who greeted Superboy. They were the first appearance. Now, Cosmic Boy does not appear in this story, so I'm not going to get too far, but he's magnetic. So that's your main three right there. That's your connection to Superman and, of course, Superboy, and then it expanded from there. Uh, So she's married to Lightning Lad. Now, when you're married to a Legionnaire... The clubhouse becomes your home. And as for the other Legionnaires, Saturn Girl shows them that Karate Kid, once again, that's what he does, has invited Princess Projectra and Sun Boy to his home in Japan to celebrate an intimate tea ritual between friends. Chameleon Boy, well, he changes shape. He is on patrol around his planet Durla since Christmas isn't a holiday there. And Colossal Boy, who gets bigger, is celebrating Hanukkah on Earth wildfire enters the room now wildfire is you probably you would recognize him immediately he's in this containment suit basically he was a scientist working on anti-energy when the thing exploded made him living energy so he has to wear the suit to stay contained but he can of course fire bolts and whatnot he enters the room and reminds everybody that no matter how it's celebrated the message of christmas is peace on earth superboy still says that he'd give all of this technology for a little bit of tinsel And then Superboy gets the grand idea to look for the original star that blazed over Bethlehem that Christmas. So Superboy and the Legionnaires, including Lightning Lad at this point, take off into space and try to use the known star patterns to track down where the star should be, but all they find is a lonely little planet. And the planet is inhabited by scaly amphibian people, among other beings, who they eat plankton off the water's surface. But the planet is going through an ice age, and their food is frozen at the surface, forcing them to claw their way into large blocks of ice to survive to get their food. Now, Wild power helps them by flying the blocks of ice into the air, blasting them apart, so the food source actually rains down like manna from heaven. And while that is a solution for days, the ice age on the planet will last for centuries, and the planet needs the Legion's help.
1: Meanwhile, Lightning Lad and Phantom Girl spot the planet's dominant race of land dwellers attempting to keep warm with fires, even though it means burning their own crops to do so. Phantom Girl spots one of them wandering into the fire, so she flies down through the fire in her phantom form to the lost land dweller. But uh, um, unfortunately, at this point, the flames are too close for both of them to be able to fly out, so using his lightning bolts on the crops, Uh, Lightning Glad is able to carve out an area of bare rock, which gives Phantom Girl a large enough opening for Phantom Girl and the Land Dweller to fly out. While they have succeeded, both Legionnaires are still bummed because this does nothing to solve the main problem. In the high forest a few miles away, Superboy is busy saving a giant nest full of eggs from being blown out of a tree by the ice storm. After finding a suitable place for it, he then dives down into the ground, mining enough metallic ore to spin into cables, which he then uses to secure the nest from the wind. At Moonrise, the Ford Legionnaires are reunited and are feeling pretty pessimistic about this whole situation. But then Superboy gets an idea. Gathering the telepathic earplugs, which the Legionnaires use to communicate while they're in space, Superboy makes some minor adjustments to turn them into translators, Translators, uh, I can't type either. Superboy makes some minor adjustments to turn them into translators so that the three races of the planet can communicate with each other. While he meets up with the locals, he has Lightning Lad carve out a giant cave and wildfire, wildfire using his power to dig down to access the underground springs, while Phantom Girl basically plays cheerleader. Once their jobs are complete, Superboy arrives with the each race's clan chief to offer the cave as a common home. See, with the shelter and the warm spring water, the water dwellers will be able to grow their crops in safety, which they will be able to trade with the land dwellers in order for, uh, so that they will build fires around the water to keep it warm. The sky dwellers can then provide the wood from the trees for the fire in trade for being able to use the cave as a shelter for their young during storms. With this, all three races should be able to hang on until the United Planets can arrange for safe evacuation. With their mission complete, the Legionnaires take their leave, with Superboy explaining that this is what Christmas is all about. The caring, the helping, and maybe a brightly shining star that science says is impossible. When Wildfire chides Superboy for pushing the star business again, the Teen of Steel offers that it is a possibility. After all, something brought them to this planet on Christmas Eve. And as they fly away from the planet, we see the Legionnaires decorating a Christmas tree. As Wildfire states that while he won't say that it was anything more than lightning led and a bug navigational navigational computer that brought them to that planet, he really can't say that it wasn't either. The end.
2: And a happy holidays from all of us to all of you.
1: Yay! Yay!
2: The planet's saved. And just in time for the holidays. <laughs> it's a circle of life, Simba. <laughs> You, you, do you think when John uh, James Cameron was making Avatar, he read this book? Um, depends on why. Well, I'm just saying that the creatures look like creatures from Avatar. Oh, really? You've got blue creatures. You've got those giant bird creatures. You've got the pink sea creatures. Mm-hmm.
1: I see what you're saying. You see where I'm going. Uh, well, as far as notes, uh, do you have anything before page two?
2: No, I have more general notes on this.
1: Okay, well, I just have a couple of page-by-page page notes, but I don't. I mean, it's too short to really have too many no. of them. Uh, page two, I, I'm not really a regular Legionnaire Legion reader, but I'm wondering what the point is of a gun to a Daxmite with superpowers, because we see Monel uh, holding on to have it looks like a big rifle, a blaster rifle of some kind. Um, so I was like, "Why would he need that? He's basically super." And then also, Phantom Girl is really flirty with Superboy, considering it, that it appears that she's in a relationship with Ultra Boy.
2: She's always been flirty with him.
1: Okay, is it just him or everybody?
2: Uh, he's he's a bit of a. I mean, obviously, he, in their time, the whole Legion is founded on Superboy. He's a bit of a legend. So it's more uh, it's it's just him, but it it's intense with him. I mean, I, do, I think she just—it's more of a starch-struck type it's of attitude. Ah, uh, okay. But,
1: okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then on page three, we have Superboy complaining that all he wants is an old-fashioned Christmas, and this kind of annoyed me a little bit because, first of all, he's a thousand years in the future—actually, a little bit more than that—because I think by this point it was established that he's Superboy in the 1960s at some point. So he's a thousand plus, like, 15 years in the future. So old fashioned has a completely different perspective than what he's ex- expecting. And I'm burping. Also, all of the examples that Saturn Girl just showed him seem to be what it was considered old fashioned for all of those people. Uh. Well, so uh, they're not colossal di-
2: Yeah, there's not, they're not that different.
1: No, I mean Colossal Boy does Hanukkah instead. Well, that's even older than Christmas. Yeah. Um, the uh, one planet that does the Light Festival or whatever it was. Uh, oh, the fireworks trees. I'm sure that they've been doing that for a while. Yeah. Chameleon Boy, that makes sense. He doesn't—they don't even celebrate Christmas, so he's not going to have an old-fashioned anything. And then, of course, the thing in Japan—that's—I'm sure that's ancient. Well, ancient to them would be could be our future, but. It's ancient. It's ancient here. Yeah, it's ancient. It's ancient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, how many times we can see? Can we say ancient before we die? Um, so, but yeah, it just seemed a little weird that he. Although, then again, he's a teenager from the 20th century, so I could see maybe he's just being a teenager here, which, in that case, makes it actually good writing on the part of uh, Paul Levitz. Oh yeah. But uh, overall, I have to say that I love the art in the story. Well,
2: as I said, it's a a dream team. I love Jose Garcia Lopez. Yes, he does does just about what I think
1: of as the perfect version of just about every character, which is probably why he was the guy doing the art for all the licensing for like 20 years. It's just been recently that they've started bringing other people in. But yeah, he is, he does pretty much, to me, the definitive Superman, Batman, Robin, uh, Hawkman even, I mean, everybody. Of course, it also helps that he did a lot of the covers around this era too, so I'm sure that helped him out. But anyway, um, so I love the art here. It looks completely fantastic. I'm a huge fan of Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, and I look forward to when we get to cover more of his work on the show.
2: And that's, like, too far away.
1: No, no. Uh, that's coming up pretty quick, actually. Mostly on covers, but we do have a few issues where he'll actually be drawing stuff. Or at least thinking.
2: I, uh, I mean, the art was gorgeous. Obviously, I mean, this is a brief period the Legion where... Because I've never read the Legion in proper order. I've read these huge clumps uh, here to there, but I've never put it all in one chronological...
0: Uh, yeah, I
1: haven't read much pre-Zero Hour
2: Legion, so... Oh, okay. Most of mine was from the 80s and a few strands of the... Well, the early 80s, maybe some of the, some of the early 60s from when they first appeared. But there's huge areas. So, Saturn Girl's costume kind of surprised me. Most of these are kind of the more definitive costumes that I think of when I think of the Legion. Um, for example, Colossal Boy, if you see, he has the shoulder pads. It's kind of what they did with the, the latest... Uh, action figure line when they did that. Yes. They took these costumes, especially, you know, Wildfire, that was a purely Bronze Age character. Mm. So the nice thing about it is that line actually had a nice mix, and they skipped over Saturn Girl's uh, Sue Storm fiasco costume. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, I thought that was a little... As mature as she seems to be, and... Of course I thought this with Sue Storm getting that weird custom too, but as mature as she seems to be and you know, uh, the fact that she's one of the head honchos of the League or League the Legion, it just seems a little weird that she, and plus she's married. Yeah. So one I I'm not saying you're not allowed to show skin when you're married, but one, I can't I just don't see her normally wearing something like this, and two, it also seems kinda of weird that, you know, Lightning Lad would have more of a problem with it.
2: Sure. Saturn Girl is kind of one of my big complaints, not in the costume, but in all seriousness. Superboy had to rig together the devices so that the the other races could talk to each other. You have a psychic that you left on the ship. Yeah. There's a big, great solution right there.
1: Well, yeah, but this, see, this way it's a permanent thing because they can hang on to those telepathic Earpieces. Sure, I mean... They, Even after the Legion leaves. But
2: they could have initiated it with Saturn Girl. She basically had nothing to do but show that, oh, here's the other cultures, I'm going to sit at this monitor station, and that's about it.
1: And then I'll fly away with you, but then I'll just say happy, you know, Merry Christmas at the end of the yeah. story. She's yeah, kinda, she kind of got lost.
2: She's kind of like Wonder Woman was in the early days of the Legion, where she's basically the note-taker.
1: Yeah, the secretary.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and also the maid.
2: Yeah, she's a much better character than that. But you know, that sort of, uh, ma- ma- uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh,
1: Masog- if I knew I'd be a misogyn-
2: Misogynistic attitude isn't here because Phantom Girl has a huge part in the story. Yes. She's a cheerleader and it's all, no, <laughs> she, she was relevant. My, ba- um,
1: hmm? I had a little note about her though. Um, she, she was in, she was in the whole story, but she seemed kind of pointless.
2: Yeah. And, Saturn I mean, Girl really could have filled that role much better. Oh
1: yeah, the only difference is you know they couldn't show Saturn Girl you know flying through a wall, but basically all Phantom Girl did was you know cheerlead and she goes down to help someone, but needs, she's the only New Legionnaire that uh, on this story that actually needed help with her super deed. True. Uh, I just, I, well of course even 1980 things were different than it is now even though it seems a lot closer than the stuff we've been reading lately but it just was one of those things that's like it's, it's kind of sad
2: and my, my only really big big complaint I mean the whole Saturn girl thing's a bit of annoying but I'm like fine showcase who you want but Brainiac 5 really should have made a cameo because he would have been fantastic kind of saying oh Christmas is pointless in fact he would have been a better pick he could have just been along for the ride and the, the line that Wildfire had, that's right mm-hmm. at Brainiac 5's alley. I think they wasted an opportunity there.
1: Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Uh, just, because uh, obviously Wildfire Wildflower, yep. Wildfire is in here to be the uh, scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's got to be someone better than him, because of course I didn't know he was a scientist before. But yeah, I can Brainiac 5 probably would have been better, but then you know, with tw- only 12 pages, it might have gotten a little more crowded.
2: True. Well, maybe just a line here and there. Yeah. Just, uh, y- You can never go wrong with Brainiac vibes, is all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: Overall, I mean, I was glad that when you, when you said, oh, we're doing a Legion story, I'm like, oh, rock on! And, and hopefully, because <laughs> I, I have my Legion ring on as we speak, one of the two that I have. <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I was glad that we got a chance to cover some Legion stuff yeah.
1: I like the Legion. I would like to get more into the Legion, but I just, uh, it's with the Legion, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know exactly where to start, because I know they start in the Silver Age, but I I have a problem with the Silver Age comics in general, just no matter how hard I try it, a lot of times it's really difficult to get past some of the uh, kind of campiness or simplisticness or writing down to the Readerness of it. And then, of course, it seems like every time I pick up a Legion issue from, like, the Bronze Age, uh, it seems like it's either starting a new story that's multi-parts, or in the middle of a story, or ending a story, and it's like, good lord.
2: Legion is, I think Paul Levitz may be one of the best writers to follow, if you want to follow his writing. Just, you'll, you'll need a wall chart to keep track of all the continuity changes, because every time something major happened... In the main universe, for example, Crisis, mm-hmm. uh, it reverberated, and so then you ended up oh, with yeah. pocket universe, Superboy, um, <laughs>
1: which I think is the dumbest. Thing, that if all they, all John Byrne had to do was say, okay, he was Superboy, then it doesn't get rid of anything.
2: Well, I mean, <laughs> that's a whole. But we're not talking
1: about <laughs> that. Yeah, sorry.
2: But yeah, I mean, but even following that, there were reboots within reboots on top of reboots another right now with the new 52 it's yet another reboot
1: yeah we had what 5 years later and then legion lost yeah 5 years later then you had the zero hour reboot then you had legion lost reboot and they come back and then the mark wade reboot
2: which was then rebooted for another reboot
1: <laughs> yes which was yeah and then I, and then before that before they even finished that era they had a whole different version, or I guess the original Legion come back in that Justice League JSA crossover. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jeff John starts a new reboot, and then that gets to Paul Levitz eventually. And then now with the 52, of course, we have another new reboot, and it's like, good God. It's, I feel bad for Legion fans. It's,
2: it's uh, Legion is a lot like X-Men. It's one of those things that are so dense that if you don't have a decent entry point, where you can actually just start, kind of hit the ground running, and then learn everything retroactively. And luckily, I mean, obviously, when we were kids, there wasn't this grand old internet to kind of research things. Yeah. So it was a lot harder then. Uh, if you don't have that starting point, uh, you're you're gonna it's it's gonna be long. But I will say this: it's a challenging thing to uh, challenging set of books to get into, but it is very rewarding when you get to know some of these characters.
1: Oh yeah, i I mean, I'm really interested. It's just trying to find the spot. I mean, I've got. I love their appearance in, uh, what's that, Time and Time Again? Yeah. Um, And I I love, uh, even in the more recent uh, Superman and the Legion of Superheroes stuff that uh, Jeff Johns did in Action Comics. Um, And I have some of the post-Legion Lost episodes, issues. I have the first uh, trade paperback they have collecting the first several issues of, I think they had both, two books after Zero Hour. Uh, collecting like the first few issues of both books, set, you know, setting up The Legion. And I watched The Legion cartoon that was on rec- uh, a few years ago. So, I'm, I mean, I'd really like to get into it. It's just one of those, like you said, it's
2: not easy. No, it is not. But it's, it's as I mentioned, it is also rewarding. And I was glad that this was a unique way to have a, a Superman-related story involved in this, because... Well, Legion was really popular at this time too so this was a great two for one mm-hmm. and you still had the Silver Age Superboy which is always fun and then you had Levitz writing it really was just a dream team and it was a fun story even besides my little gripes I, oh, yeah. I will trust Levitz that maybe Brainiac 5 you know maybe he had the idea and went a different way for his own reasons
1: possibly it might, it might have opened up a can of worms that would have needed more than twelve pages too. For some, I don't know.
2: True, and I'm glad that, as you mentioned, it didn't talk. It didn't write down the readers. They assume you know who the Legion is.
1: Yes, yes, that was pretty cool. I mean, yes, they do. Exp- you know, introduce them by name, but I think they also pick some of their more popular members too. So that helps. Yep. Because yeah. those are these are all well-known ones that I know. Even Colossal, Colossal Boy. I know, uh, Chameleon Boy, Lightning Lad, Saturn Girl. Uh, Of course, they're missing Brainiac 5 and um, Cosmic Boy, but still. What are you going to do?
2: I think it's funny they still call themselves Lightning Lad, Saturn Girl. They're clearly young adults now.
1: Yeah, they're married, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: But some of the other alternative names, as they tried to modernize them, Lightning Lad became Mm Livewire. It just got frustrating.
1: And they couldn't make Saturn Girl, Saturn Woman, because what, wasn't she one of the Legion of Supervillains or something like that? Uh,
2: Saturn Queen was.
1: Oh, Saturn Queen. So she could have been Saturn Woman.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't remember what... I, they changed her name, but I don't remember what it was off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, li- the live wire and stuff, that was the post-Zero Hour version, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Um, the final note I have on this, though, is... <laughs> I love their fashion. Um... Gotta remember, this is supposed to be 29.79, as it says in the opening caption. But obviously, they're doing futuristic looks based on what was then uh, the current fashion. Lightning Lad has long sideburns. Phantom Girl is wearing what is basically looks like a futuristic disco suit. And Saturn Girl's outfit looks like all she's missing is a mask and a whip. Um, <laughs> And now, I know that the, uh, they, these aren't even the only ones. Uh, what's his name? Invisible, Invisible Kid. Kid. That's what I'm thinking of. And then, of course, Invisible Kid has, the, has a large afro and a high-collared outfit with the big mutton-chop sideburns and everything. It's just like, wow. You can tell that they were definitely designed in the 70s. But because of the fact that they were so popular in the late 70s and early 80s, these have become like the definitive costumes for just about all of them. Maybe Saturn Girl's definitive one seems to be the
0: uh,
2: closer to, be, to our original one. Yeah, but. that's the one you see more often. That's the one they made the action figure out. But yeah, the the Lightning Lightning Lad's costume, that's the one you see. Um, well, yeah, generally everybody, and, and of course, Brainiac Five has a basically a jumpsuit.
1: Yes. Uh, actually, Cosmic Boy's uh, seems seems to be more closer to the original than what he would have in this era. Because in this area, he wears something that looks like it's uh, some kind of black outfit that goes up to his armpits. Oh and yeah. The rest of it, yeah, it's kind of gross. But the the one where he's got the pink and the, it's light the red little half red. globes, yeah. Okay. The magenta, will that work? Yeah. Uh, the burnt magenta burnt and the uh, salmon. <laughs> there, <laughs> there, you go. With like the orbs on his chest and stuff. That seems to be the more, uh, for him too. So. That, So a couple of them get the originals, but, like, this is the only costume I've ever seen Wildfire in until recently. Um, Phantom Girl has changed it occasionally, but she always has these pigtails, and,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, Colossal Boy, the the costume, as I mentioned, with the shoulder pads, his original costume was a green shirt with some yellow piping and a collar, and this is more the the look that you'll see more often, is, you know, he has this headband, this open cowl, I guess, And probably one of my favorite costumes of any legionnaire. I think Wildfire may be a close second.
1: Well, I have a question for you. uh, Colossal Boy. Now, I know from reading the Mark Wade version that where he's from, everyone's that huge, and he has his powers actually to shrink down to a a shorter size. It varies. (laughs) Okay. In this era, was it the other way around?
2: Uh, The more current... I think it was still... I'd have to go back and look I, I don't know that one off the top of my head
1: the only reason I'm asking is because you sitting here having like a Hanukkah feast with what I'm guessing is his family but he's the only big one
2: yeah I believe originally he was actually able to just get giant that's one of those areas where I'm not sure I missed the I missed the boat on that
1: okay it's just kind of maybe it's to let you know that, that what his power is but it just seems kind of weird that he's the only big guy there. Either one way or another, I would think he'd kind of shrink to meet everyone else's size.
2: I'm look.
1: Then again, he's also sitting there eating dinner with uh, who I'm guessing is his family in his full superhero costume. So.
2: Well, that's more. Most of the costumes were more, more like normal garb for that time frame and that their planets. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: Okay. I also like that a uh, wildfire can fly under his own power. But he still has legionary.
2: Well, so everybody, yeah. Superboy does. Because
1: everyone gets one. Well, yeah, it's just it's one of those things. Well, not they. Too many of them actually can fly on their own.
2: They communicate that way. Okay, origi- right. original continuity, he was able to, due to radioactive meteorite, he was able to increase his size. In 1994, when it was restarted, he was known as Leviathan, which is a. Well, not that bad but he was uh same same situation and then in 2004 I'm trying to see here he can actually shrink so, okay so that would have been yeah the mark wade 2004 reboot when he was actually able to shrink and the post reboot yeah and post infinite crisis it doesn't specify he didn't have he had they really didn't get too far in backstory post-Infinite Crisis.
1: Yeah, it's because uh, it's like, well, we'll just let you figure out which one you want this Legion to be, and we'll go with that. With that.
2: And Paul Levitz actually put that note in, I believe it was in the fir- back of the first issue, He's like, fill in the blanks where you need to, and just kind of hit the ground running, which I think was probably the best choice at that time.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, of course, they did that with Superman, too, and no one liked that. Toward.
2: Well, it was, uh, Superman didn't have a continuity issue before Infinite Crisis. Small ones here and there, um, more retcon stuff, but after Infinite Crisis, Superman's whole continuity was, because they would reference yeah. things, and it'd be like, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, because suddenly he was back to almost being the Earth-1 Superman, but he still died, and yeah, I hate it when they do that stuff. But anyway, <clears throat> let's not mention hate on, Christmas, on the Christmas episode. And uh did you have anything else?
2: Um yes, in the back. Did you notice the the small Fred Hembeck comic in the back? On the Daily Planet.
1: <laughs> yes I did.
2: <laughs> so Lois is talking to Jimmy and Lois asks, Where's Perry? And Jimmy tells her he quit the planet and ran off to Vegas to become a stand up comedian. To which Lois reacts, Great Caesars Palace And Jimmy says, I'll say
1: <laughs> Oh, I love the Fred Hembeck cartoons. Yeah. I do miss That's hilarious. Yeah. And then, um, you also failed to mention that there is a, um, House of Mystery story in here, too. So there's five stories.
2: It wasn't, mm-hmm. it was listed on Mike's Amazing War,
1: so. Oh, okay. On the, it's on the cover. Uh, there's Batman, House of Mystery, Jonah Hex, Sergeant Rock, and Superboy the Legion.
2: And, let's see. I kind of explained a question I had off, <laughs> that I wasn't going to mention.
1: Okay. Yeah, House of Mystery. It's on cover, but. Yeah, the house is mystery. Uh, the story doesn't seem to have a title. But, uh, yeah, it's a a tib- uh, story. I guess this title is The Secrets of Haunted House, but they don't give it the title until page 7 out of the 8 pages. But, yeah. That's going to do it for this time, folks. Uh, thank you again for downloading, and thank you for listening. And we hope you all have a Merry Christmas, or a Happy Hanukkah, or a Pleasant Kwanzaa, or however you celebrate this holiday season. uh, We hope you have a good one. And this is Charlie.
2: And this is David. And if you want to find this Legion story, it was reprinted in Best of DC number 11, Christmas with the Superheroes number 1, which Michael Bailey was covering on FortressOfBailey2.com, and then DC Universe Christmas trade paperback. Sweet. I hope you all have a very safe holiday.
1: Yes, everyone keep safe. Enjoy your eggnog, and we'll see you next time.
2: Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age hosted by Charlie Niemeyer and J. David Leader. Superman in the
1: Bronze Age is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com where new episodes are posted bi-weekly.
2: Episodes are posted at superbronze1970.libsyn.com supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com amazingworldofsuperman.com and supermanhomepage.com You can also subscribe to the show via the RSS feed and iTunes. All images characters and music used in the show are for entertainment purposes only no money is made by the show superman was created by jerry siegel and joe schuster thank you for listening and god bless
0: Superman is also a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC publications and more supermanhomepage.com